Well, thank you all for being here. Good to see the Teen Challenge guys back. We miss you guys. Welcome back. Thank you for the hard work you're doing. A um, couple of things before we start tonight. Uh, um, had a great weekend together. How many of you guys were able to make the weekend, either Friday, Saturday, or both? Well, thank you for being here. I think we had. I hope you agree that it was a really good time together. I think God really met us. A um, couple other things real quick. In the back of the room tonight, um, many years ago, we had a, an invitational, an invitational called, uh, and we called it the Alpha Open. We actually, before we did Alpha, we had a golf tournament. We did that once. It was so good. Um, so if any of you, um, play golf or just need a towel or need a really cool, uh, carabiner, if that's what that's called, isn't that a cool word carabiner? I don't know if that's right or not, but is that right? So anyway, if you'd like one of those there in the back table, um, so you can have that. Um, then I'm taking time that I don't have to do this. Um, then you could get a golf ball, which please don't get those before the end of the evening because I don't want you to throw anything. Tees. These are tees. Um, I think that's all. And then a cool little pocket change purse right here if you want that. And, um, and then finally, uh, a book called Faith in the Fairway, which is, uh, is a, a devotional on uh, professional golfers, PGA golfers, who uh, surrendered their lives to Christ. And so, anyway, they wanted to get their lives out of the rough. And so, so faith in the fairway. So, okay. So if you want that, don't go running back right now. There's plenty of stuff. So, well, here we are. Week nine, just like that, uh, that quick. Oh my gosh, so quick. Um, and, uh, we are so grateful you've been here. Okay, how many of you guys, nine for nine? Just nine for nine. Just nine for nine and the weekend, either Friday, Saturday, or both. Wow, okay. There's, there's much to happen for you next week, so do, do not miss this. So um, anyway, next week we will uh, we'll, we'll finish up Alpha, and then we will get into uh, what's after Alpha. So for the last week, uh, gosh, eight weeks, we've been, we kind of, I think for many of us, particularly it would have been me with my particular brand of meology, kind of broken a lot of stereotypes about the Bible, about prayer, about evil. Uh, tonight we talk about an interesting one. It's, we talk about the church. What is, what does the Bible have to say about the church? So we will look at what the Bible's definition of church is. And I assure you, once again, the Bible is going to mess with many of our stereotypes again tonight. But again, I'm asking you, as I've said this on many weeks, do not believe a word I'm saying. You know, we want the, the scripture is our source. And so, uh, again, we appreciate that. And, you know, the church is not perfect. I, I, and I think you know that. You can read the newspapers. Uh, you can, you, if you go to a church, you know it's not perfect. It is the perfectly imperfect organism that God has chosen to reveal himself through the scriptures to the world. That's, that's what he has done. But as churches aren't perfect, uh, neither are church bulletins perfect. And in some actual church bulletins, there have been some massive, massive 
mistakes in whether typesetting or printing or texting. And I thought I'd bring up a few of you tonight, them, of you tonight, just so you could, you could experience those with us. So here, here's one that says this. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> these, I'm, these, I'm not kidding. These are actual church bulletins. Here's another one. The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. <laughs> this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> what must that have looked like? Oh, due to the rector's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. Oh, Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She is also having trouble sleeping and requests the tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> oh, low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. <laughs> this is, again, this is true stuff. Ah, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> all right. Just, just, just one more. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> and many feel that way. I hope I get that. So anyway. So tonight we discuss the church. Um, uh, Annette and I cannot imagine life without the church. We just simply can't. I mean, we've been a part of this family for 42 years. I tell people that um, we've been to four churches in uh, 42 years, four different churches in 42 years, all at the same address. You have to think about that for a minute. But... Um, I, I'll tell you a story. Um, when I when I surrendered my life to Christ back in way back in 1976, I had a good friend that um, had another good friend who was attending a church in New Orleans, and so we went to this church in New Orleans. And when I when I graduated, Annette and I went to this this church, a little bitty church on Magazine Street. It was a former X-rated theater, um, and it was just converted to a church. No parking whatsoever. Um, but we went there and, um, it was there. Interestingly enough, I had just graduated from college. I had no job. Um, and we were taking prayer requests, very small group of, I mean, I don't think there were 20, 25 people in this little bitty church. And, um, so, uh, one of the people, uh, a prayer request was we need a science teacher and we need a, a, a baseball coach. So I thought, well, science teacher, I'm not sure about that, but baseball coach, I am in. And they hired me. Um, I know, it's, it's, that was the first, one of the first major miracles in my life. Um, and, and so then they allowed me to have a Bible study in the gym every day at lunch. Every day at lunch, I had a Bible study in the gym. And, and so that all happened because I went I was connected to Annette and I wanted to be meaningfully connected to a church where we believe the Bible was being taught to us. 
One of the fascinating things, many fascinating things about that, but one thing is that who walks into that Bible study one lunchtime during the week is a guy named Keith Collins. Well, Keith Collins just happens to be the senior pastor at this church today and has been the senior pastor at this church for 25 years on staff for at least 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. And so... I think about the things that have happened in our lives as a result of us being meaningfully connected to a church where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. And I just, I kind of giggle over that because this man has just, from sophomore in high school to just amazing man of God. If you've heard him share the word on a Sunday morning or any other time, you know what I'm speaking with and we have and so much whether it's our kids us story after story of just what and how important and essential it has meant been to us to be a part of a local assembly and so there's the local church of which we see different denominations and things such as this and of course then there is the universal church where across denominations across assembly places and but you know there's there's so many misconceptions of the church that the church equals services you know when do you have church when are your services um or the church equals the clergy the church equals the leadership uh of the church um or what is your church's position on this particular issue that's going on right now or that the church is a particular denomination hey what, what denomination what type of church do you attend or that the church is a building you know, where's your church located? So the church isn't a service, but the church does have meetings. The church isn't leaders, but the church does have leaders. The church isn't denominations, but there are denominations. And the church doesn't have locations, but the church does meet in a location. And so tonight, as we, as we talk about the church, it'd be important for us just to dive into what does the Bible say? about the church well the greek word the original language for the new testament is the greek language and and the word is that is used is the word ekklesia it's two words ek simply means out or out from and klesia means called so called out of well called out of where and called into what now so there's there's lots of us that have gone to church our whole lives. And of course, you know, it's not a, not a Tuesday without my cups. And so called out of where into what? Well, called out of Adam and called into Christ. And so the church is all inside of there. Okay. I know there's nothing in there right now, but everyone that is in Christ is a part of the church. It is the gathering, it is the assembly, it is just simply being. If you are in Christ, you are a part of Christ's church. And there's four points I want to make tonight about the church. The church is God's body, it's his home, it's his people, and it's his family. The church is not the building. Now, again, are we going to slice hairs over this? We're going to split hairs over calling this the church. I'm, first of all, I'm not going to do that because I do that all the time. What's the church have to say about that? You know, when's the church meeting? I do that. 
And that's fine. That's totally fine. But it's important for us to get past that to find out who does God say the church is, not what does God say the church is. There's a big difference. I wouldn't say what's, what are the members of your family. I would say who are the members of your family? Because the church is people. The church is people. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And this is what Paul writes to the churches in Rome. He says, for as in one body, we have many members, many members or many parts, many people, but members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So you, I mean, so you come to Alpha and you see that. You see people with different gifting. There are people that are gifted to do registration. There are people that are, doing, that are gifted to serve. There are people that are gifted to care for children downstairs. There are people that are gifted to do a whole lot of things. They couldn't figure anything out for me to do. So they said, well, just let Frank speak. He can't do that much damage. And so, um, but Alpha is a good example of how it takes a family gifted in many different ways to be the church. So that's what it is. The body of Christ, just like our bodies have different members. We have kidneys and livers and veins and all these other things. The body is made up of many things. What the body is not is one thing with only one function. The body is different people with different giftings. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he wrote this, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, the head of the body, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part or member, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let me just stick with Alpha for a moment. Alpha doesn't happen if I'm just standing here. Alpha doesn't happen with Jeff just the, being there hosting the table or Cliff hosting the table. It just, it just doesn't happen. With, with, or, or if it's Ronald and Flo, just, it, takes, it takes the members working together to create and to allow there to be functioning the growth and the proper working of each individual member. That's what the body needs. It needs all the parts functioning in harmony with one another. So causes, it causes, as each works together, the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The church is, is, not, is not a place where you just come to sit down and listen and leave. Okay, the church is not a theater. The church is not a stadium where you come, you pay your money, you sit down, you like what you like, and you stay. If you don't like what you don't like, you go find another place. So the pastor may be standing in the front, but the people that are assembled as that body with individual giftings are no less important than the guy that's standing up front with the lights on him. Everyone, I've, I've said this at church a couple weeks ago. The church, everyone that sits in a church building, no one is an audience. No one's a member of a, of a, of a non-participative audience. They're part of a congregation, a gathering of the body that is knit together and each needed. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. 
So membership of, to Jesus' church comes as a result of being in Christ. So if I were to ask you a question, are you a membership, member of a church? And you say, well, no, really, no, I'm not. No, no, yes, you are. You're a member of the universal church, but you're supposed to be, if you're going to be meaningfully connected into what God says we're to be connected into, we need to be meaningfully connected into a local family gathering of those who are in Christ. We need to be together. So it's important for us to see this. People are called to be connected to your life, and you are called to be connected to other people's lives. You and I are called out ones to be meaningfully connected to one another's lives. See what else is. The church is, it's a home. It's, the Bible says the church is a temple. It's the dwelling of God. It's his home. Now, so the, the a question that I would ask is why do people, let's just, okay, let's just say the church is home. All right. Now think of it as your home for a moment. Now, maybe you didn't like your home where you were. You didn't like your siblings. You didn't like your parents. You just didn't like your situation. Um, why don't people go home? That's an interesting question. Why don't people go home? Well, because there's no relevance there for me. So if you're in Adam, why do you go to church at all? But well, maybe because you're trying to find out more about what it means to be meaningfully connected. And you know that you have to be connected to, to Christ. And this is the way to do it. But it's just not if you're not in Christ. I've, I've asked that question to many people many times. Why aren't you pursuing Christ? Is he just not relevant to you? And I've gotten that answer. I appreciate the answer. And they said, no, just really not relevant. I just don't see the importance. But what if you are in Christ? Why do people step back from being a part of an, an away from home? Well, maybe because you don't feel worthy. Maybe you just sin too much. And you feel like, I'm just going to be a hypocrite. Why should I even go home if I'm going to be such a hypocrite? Well, to believe that is to believe that your participation in the, at home depends upon how good you have been. And what I've been talking about the last eight weeks is Christianity is not about your goodness. It's about Christ's goodness. What causes us to belong and to desire to be home is the one that made home for us. And that would be Christ himself. Okay. Or you don't, maybe you don't feel wanted or you don't feel needed. Uh, you, maybe you feel like the messages are over your head or they're too long or whatever they may be. Or maybe you do feel condemned or judged by others. You know, there, there are many lies that would keep us from making a gospel-centered assembly home our home. In the Old Testament, God called his people to build a house for himself. Not because he needed it. God didn't need a house. But God wanted his people and desired for his people to know that there was a home. That, that he was there near them. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in a building made by hands. But in the New Testament, God dwells in a build, building that has hands. In the Old Testament, he de, de, uh, dwelt in a building made by hands. In the New Testament, he dwells in a building that has hands. In the New Testament, he has called us to be his house. Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, don't you know... That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Whom you have from God, you are not your own. So if we are in Christ, Christ is in us. 
And the Holy Spirit is in us. We are now the dwelling place of God. A building is not the dwelling place of God. We are the dwelling place of God. And together we make up the church of Jesus Christ. Across denominations, across all things, we are connected, knit together because we're in Christ. It's fascinating. So Peter goes on to write, he says, as you come to him, a living stone, okay, not, not a dead stone, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So let's look at this for a minute. As you come to him, a, a living stone, Christ the living stone, Rejected by men, Christ was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Look what it says. You yourselves, like living stones, in other words, now like Christ, are being built up together as a spiritual house. So, so Peter uses the analogy of all of us are fit together as God's house, not in God's house, but as God's house, for the purpose of growing up and maturing and encouraging one another and even correcting one another and training one another so that we are built up into a, now this is going to be a weird word for a lot of us here, to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A holy priesthood. Okay, now I, I grew up in a particular tradition where there was a priest or maybe two priests and everybody else was laity. Well, again, with all due respect, no desire to cond be condescending. The Bible doesn't take that position. Okay, so well, 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 who is Peter writing this to? Peter is writing this to all the people who are in Christ, who are scattered all over the place. That's who he's writing it to. He's not writing it to the higher-ups. He's not writing it to the clergy. He's writing it to all. All of us, normal Joes and Josephines. That's who he's writing this to. And he says, we are being built up to a holy priesthood. Okay, now, so what's the deal about priesthood? Well, in the Old Testament, the priest was the one that would go to God on behalf of the people. But in Christ, that no, we all can now go to God on behalf of ourselves and others. So... So what happens when Jesus dies on the cross? Okay, I'm going to take the time to do this. When Jesus dies on the cross, many things happen. Remember, if, if you're familiar with the story, if you ever watched it, the earth grows dark. You're familiar with that? There is an earthquake. And in the Jewish temple, where the priest would go once a year on the Day of Atonement, okay, he would, he would take and he would scatter, he would, he would shed the, spread the blood over what was called the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And only the high priest could go in there. And what would he do? He, he would do that to cover the sins of all of Israel. And what happened when Jesus was crucified? It says, the veil was rent from top to bottom and it was laid open 
opening the way to God for everyone, no longer to be separated by particular classes of individual. And so God calls every one of us, those who have total access to God at all time, because you're in Christ and you are of his church. There's, there's no hierarchical structure. Different gifts, yes, but every one of us with total access to God. Wow. And that's what the Bible clearly teaches. To be a holy priesthood to God. So stones sovereignly fit together because we need one another around us. I need folks around me. I need to su- people around me to support me. I need those who are more mature than I to help me, to teach me, to train me. Um, I need Christian leaders. I need pastors. I need you. And, um, and there are others that would, I can care for, I can minister to as well that we, that we share with and we grow together. Um, See, because again, we talk about home. Again, we've got two addresses in Scripture. Okay? This is the church. This is not the church. This is the dominion of darkness. Two addresses. I'm either in the dominion of darkness or I am in the kingdom of God's beloved Son. If I'm in Christ, I've been called a priest of God. I have a relationship with God. I can be with God. I am with God all the time. God is with me all the time. And the church has an identity and a calling for those who've responded to Christ. Every one of us has been called by God and given particular gifts so that we are fitted together. We are his called out ones. Okay, the church is also the people of God. The people of God. Look at what Peter says again. I want you to do this with me. Will you do this with me? Will you just take, if you've got your alpha, we call it our alpha Bible, will you turn to page 1117. I just want you to read this with me. I don't want you to just hear me say it. Page 1117. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Or if you don't want to do any of that, it's up here on the screen. Sorry, I shouldn't have told you that. Okay. Now, now do this with me real quick. Before you go to 1 Peter, go, because I, I want you to see this. For, before you go to 1 Peter 2 on page 1117, go to 1 Peter 1 on page 1116, okay? And the very first verse, because I want you to see, that, see who Peter's writing to. I want you to see this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, who's he writing to? To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we see to whom he is writing this. He's writing to those whom God has chosen, whom he's taken out of Adam, placed into Christ through their reception of Jesus Christ. And, and he is beginning to write this letter to him. Now go back to 1117. Go to 1117 and verse 9. You'll see it on the right-hand column. Just will pass midway. And he says this about them, that you are a chosen, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the dominion of darkness. Let me just go back here real quick. He called you out of the dominion of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, and placed you into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, you were an Adam, but now, and, but now you are God's people. You're in Christ. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you're in Christ, those things accrue to us as participants, members of the church of Jesus Christ. We are the people of God. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now to understand just how important that is, it means that we understand how desperately you and I needed a Savior. If I don't see how desperately I need a Savior, if I don't understand that Christ came, lived a perfect life, died a horrific death so that you and I didn't have to, this means nothing. But if I do believe this, suddenly it takes on all the importance of everything that could ever happen to me. There is nothing more important than this. And so tonight is just a continuation of all the things we've talked about. And, and not only that, we're, we're in Christ, and Christ is in us, and all of us are in Christ together because I need Christ in you. And you need Christ in me. And we need Christ in one another. United, loving one another, praying one another. Doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but we're going to agree on the essential things that the Scripture makes very clear tonight. You, okay, did you hear what you just read, by the way, if you read it? You are, if you're in Christ, you are chosen by God. A chosen race. Two races. Okay, this, I love this. We want to just get, not political necessarily, this is just simple stuff. Two races. There's the in Adam race, regardless of race, creed, or color, or anything else. And then there is in Christ, regardless of race, creed, or color. Maybe not creed. I don't know. We can talk about that. But do you understand what I'm saying? That's it. Whether you're black or yellow or white or brown or any other color, if you're not in Christ, you're in Adam. Same goes true here. There's no delineation here at all. And so we, we, we need to see that. That's how God sees everything. There is no more in Christ, black or white or slave or free or barbarian or Scythian or anything else. Christ is all and in all. So I'm looking at the full scope of African humanity and Asian humanity in Christ, uh, European, Anglo humanity in Christ. I'm looking at It's all in there. It's all in there. All the same. We're the people of God. We are the, we are the people of of God chosen a royal priesthood I mean what God is saying here is I've made you kingly I've made you queenly I've made you who you are holy before God God's own possession so that your life looks like by the power of the Holy Spirit who we've talked about the last three sessions your life begins to look like holiness your life begins to look like joyfulness. Your life begins to look like Christ himself in the midst of this dark and ever darkening 
and dreary and broken world. Because he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but you have now received mercy, okay? Isn't that exciting? Yes, you should say it's exciting. But because I see you're getting tired, um, well, I thought because you were getting tired, maybe I'm not. Let me see. Hmm. Oh, I know, because I'm behind myself. That's why. There we are. More church bloopers. Okay. <laughs> the pastor would appreciate it if, if the ladies of the congregation would lend him their electric girdles for the pancake breakfast next Sunday morning. <laughs> Did anybody have any electric girdles? That must be painful. Um, ushers will eat latecomers. What is it, the church of the first cannibals? I'm not quite sure what. Oh, he will, they will seat latecomers. That's what that must be, seat latecomers. Okay. Um, the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. <laughs> I just love these. Oh, smile at someone who is hard to love. Say hell to someone who doesn't care much about you. That's just, must be hello. Yeah, must be hello. Okay. Oh, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> I just, some of these crazy things. All right. Okay, you're awake again? Okay, let's continue. Okay. All right, well, let's talk about the church is a related family. It's a related family. And in a family, you are fed you are led, you are protected, you are together. And that is the picture of a Christ-centered church. You are fed from God's word by gifted individuals who are called and anointed to give God's word. You are led by folks as well. You are protected by and through one another and the, the gathering of and the continued gathering of believers because our strength is together. There's... there's Christianity is not a single sport. It's not an isolated sport. It is a together, it's a team sport, if you will. The church is family. So let's just look at a couple of the clear declarations of this, is that we are now family. Everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And to as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Okay? Everyone that believes has been born of God. To as many as received him, you become children of God. So if you're a child of God, and 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 I'm a child of God, that makes us family. Now, if you would be children of Buddy and Carolyn Loria, and you child of Buddy and Carolyn Loria, and you child of Buddy and Carolyn Loria, and you a child of Buddy and Carolyn Loria, and I'm a child of Buddy and Carolyn Loria, that would make us brothers and sisters. But in Christ, this family relationship is not just for as long as we live. This family relationship is now growing and growing and growing together, loving one another, caring for one another together until one day we are forever with the Lord. So born, God, born of God, taken out of Adam, born again into Christ, children of God, 
John writes again, behold, what manner of love the father has given to us that we would be called, could be called the children of God and such we are. This is God's love taking us out of Adam and placing us into Christ. What manner of love the father has given to us that we would be called children of God. Can you remember what I said many weeks ago? You and I are not born into Adam, children of God. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says we are born into Adam, creations of God. But when we are born again, we are born into Christ, children of God. That would be the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God's beloved son. Again, that's, that's what the Bible clearly teaches. And then Paul writes to the Ephesians again. He says this, and he came... And preached peace to you who were far away. That's Christ came and preached peace to you who were far away. That would have been every one of us in Adam. Far away from God. And peace to those who were near. Those who were far away in Adam and those who were near in Adam. And for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens to God. No longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Fellow citizens with the saints and are with God's household. Okay, I'm going to just kind of break another stereotype here. Um, the Bible calls all who are in Christ saints. It doesn't call people that have died and been voted on, with all due respect, Saints. The Bible doesn't do that. We may do that, but the Bible does not do that. The Bible says all who are in Christ are saints. That means set apart is what that means. And so, again, not perfect in everything we do, but perfectly into Christ. Right? I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. My son is perfectly my son, though he's not perfect. Do you see what I'm saying? You see the difference there. God has made us perfect in Christ, but he is making us, he is perfecting us in Christ. That's what he's doing. And so when Paul says this, you're not a stranger anymore. You don't not belong anymore. You belong because you're fellow citizens with the saints, with one another, and are of God's household, God's family the church is biblically characterized by intimate family descriptions not distant and non-meaningful acquaintances of people who occasionally wander into the same building or service time or denomination or uh, keith keith collin tells uh, when when keith has done this talk in the past he gives an a, a example he says okay go with me now you're in your car um you get the closest parking place you can possibly get uh, you go into the building, somebody hands you something when you go in, and uh, you do what you have to do, and, and you're there for a while, as shortly as you can be. You see a couple of people, you maybe greet a couple of people, and then you leave. And the question Keith asked was this, have I just described your time at church or going to a Walmart? Now, for me, closest parking place, shortest sermon, Maybe see a couple people, do what I'm supposed to do, and leave. 
that would have been the description of my understanding of or experience of church. I had no understanding at all of the church being the body, a home, a people, a family. I knew nothing of that because I knew nothing of this. I knew nothing of what God's word had to say about the church. Nothing whatsoever. People related to each other. We share a spiritual family connection. We are God's children. And we are people that are responsible for one another as well. There is no such thing as an isolated, healthy Christian. That is oxymoronic. They contradict. There is no such thing as a healthy, isolated Christian. We need one another. Um, Somebody told me an example a long time ago. I think it's a really good example, so I still I use it still. But if you're if you're building uh, a a charcoal fire, right? You're going to put the charcoals together. You're not going to put one here and then one here and then one here and one here. You're going to put them all together because together they will burn brightly. One will burn as a result of the other and their union. You take one of those briquettes and you put it over here. Well, we know what it's going to do, don't we? It's going to be isolated. It's going to cool off. And it will not have the function that it was meant to have. The church is meant to function as a functional family. And we need one another. See, if anything is going to happen, I would say, if, if, if these nine weeks have meant something to you, if you have received something that has really spoken to your heart and you've looked forward to coming back and you've looked forward to hearing what's in the Bible and you've looked forward to your table time, um, why would you stop that? Really? I mean, there's some people that, that, that have said to me, Frank, I've learned more in the 10 weeks of Alpha than I have in, the ten, in my entire life of going to church. Now, on one hand, I'm grateful to hear that. On the other hand, I'm really saddened to hear that. And you, I think it's very clear as to why. And so I, my encouragement to you would be to consider how are you being fed? What are you being fed? Are you being fed? If you've heard so much out of these weeks of our gathering together and it's meant so much to you and you find yourself looking forward to this and you're reading the Bible for the first time and grasping it and getting it, I just want to encourage you, find a place where that will continue, wherever that happens to be. If where you've been has not provided for you, if that gathering has not provided for you a a place where you have grown and experienced the joy and the fun of being together, uh, could I just encourage you? I'm not going to say to you, don't go there anymore. That's, that's, that's not for me to say. But please find a place where you can grow with others so that you won't just find yourself all of a sudden, there that great experience of Alpha. I remember that. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, how's it affecting you now? Well, um, not really that much. Well, why is that? You put the briquette on the side and it goes out. I, let me tell you, I need, I need my family at Lakeview Christian Center. Again, wherever you go or wherever, you need your family. 
and, and sometimes it's more clear than others. Um, it was, it was 12 years ago now, 12 plus years ago now when, um, when Annette and I were walking into a hospital where she was about to undergo eight and a half hours of surgery for breast cancer. Um, when we walked through the doors, we had been, we were met by at least 30 to 40, if not more, I really don't know, members of our family who were there to pray for us, to pray for Annette, and to care for us, not just for those couple of hours that they would be there and go to work, but every, but that day and every day after. It's family. Family we desperately needed. Family we were definitely so grateful for. You will not, I'm just going to tell you, you will not, I'm not going to say you may not, I'm going to say you will not, you will not grow in Christ without being a part of a family, a body, a home where you will grow to know him as Lord, Savior, friend, God, comforter, gifter. You will not. And God has made that very clear through Jesus Christ. Need him. Because, you know, the old philosophy, philosopher, whoever it was that said, you keep doing what you've been doing. You keep getting, you'll keep getting what you got. Now, hopefully, if, if God has used this gathering over the last nine weeks to encourage you, maybe you've understood that you were in Adam and you said, no more of that. I want to be in Christ. Um, you won't keep doing the same thing that you did before. You'll realize that I, you need Christ in others. Now look, so I've been in, you know, again, we've been going to this church for 42 years. We've been in Christ for 46 years. So I really don't need you people much anymore. Can I tell you? I realize my need for folks more today. And I'm so much more grateful today because the more, the more you grow in Christ, the more you see your dependence. And it's a joyful dependence because it's a familial dependence. It's a, it's a dependence where family cares for family. Is it perfect? Not by a long shot. And I know you've heard, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Oh, come on. You never heard that before? It's true. The church is full of perfectly imperfect people. But it is run by a perfectly perfect God who endures us and loves us and grows us. That's what he does. And when I see people that fall away from the faith because their pastor slept with his secretary or the worship leader's wife or whatever it may be, I have to ask the question, was your faith in your pastor or was it in the pastor of your pastor, Jesus Christ? Again, I understand the heartache of that. I'm not trying to minimize the heartache and the horror of that and the sinfulness of that. 
But my faith is not built on Keith Collins, nor should anybody else's at this church. And whoever your pastor may be, I pray if you're in Christ, your faith is not built on people. You will be disappointed every time. And you hang around me with me long enough. Not that anybody will even begin to want to emulate me. I'm not saying that. But if you are really that desperate and you will find out all too soon. Anything that comes out of me that is of blessing and care to you is not because of me. Because of a God who uses me in spite of me and has blessed me to have the privilege of standing here and, and addressing you. So, um, oops. So again, I don't know how to encourage you more. I mean, next week, we'll, what do I do with the rest of my life? We'll talk about that. What are some of the things I need to be looking for? Um, in many Alpha sessions, this is the last week of Alpha. But this is not the last week of Alpha here. Um, and after we're done with Alpha, we're going to do something because we want you to continue. We're going to do something called Beta. I've talked to you guys about that a little bit. Um, I think this is it, but I could be wrong. Let's see if I left it. Yeah, okay. So Beta will begin June 7th at 6.30. It's going to be just a few more weeks. We're actually putting together a curriculum for that right now. It'll be dinner. It's going to look just like this. And we hope you will join us. We truly do. We'll have registration for that next week so we can know how many folks to prepare for. But we do want you to join us for that. So, again, love you guys, really. Thank you for being here. Let's take a quick break and let's gather back at our tables and enjoy the rest of our evening together. Wait. Oh, yeah. Children, 830. Children at 830.